0: this morning join with me as we uh, get to hear and explore the story of Jesus Um, today we're in John chapter 11 verses 1 through 7 if you have a shed Bible it's on page 990 so now there was a man named Lazarus and he was sick He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters, they sent word to Jesus, Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory of God, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, Mars Hill. Good morning. Um, for those of you who may not know who I am, I am Denise Kingdom Greer, Pastor of Mobilization and Renewal here at Mars Hill. And basically, what that means is I get to help us understand how God is inviting us to participate um, beyond the walls of of the shed here, both locally, nationally, and internationally. Um, And I get to do that joyfully. And so it's my privilege to serve in that way. And greetings to you all also who are visiting with us or present and worshiping with us online. This weekend, friends, we celebrate the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I find that there are many reflections that will come to bear in these coming hours and, 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 and days, subsequent days as we remember his life and there will be e- the evoking of speeches, I have a dream, I've been to the mountaintop, but for me personally in these days as I think about his birthday, I think about his mother, Alberta and his father, Reverend Michael, whose name was later changed to Martin Luther King, Sr. I'm thinking about them as just ordinary people. Ordinary people. His mom, the daughter of a Baptist minister of a small church and a musician herself, and and his dad, the son of a sharecropper and an emerging preacher himself, the parents of Dr. King, were ordinary people who sowed their ordinary lives in the soil of ordinary faith in Jesus Christ who is our extraordinary God. And they produced of their loin and of their love the gift of a son who would impact the world in extraordinary ways for generations. Today, we're talking about Jesus and ordinary people. Today is the first day of what liturgists call the ordinary season. That season between Christmastide, which is basically Advent through Epiphany, and Eastertide, which is Lent through Pentecost. It's ordinary season, the time that we get to attend to our spiritual growth and maturity in faith as we continue the series Ashley began last week titled Jesus and. As a Jesus people for the sake of the world, it's important that we regularly pause to examine the life of Jesus as it is prepared for us and recorded in the Gospels. To learn how we should engage with people so we too know how to engage in a way that reflects the life, the love, and the legacy of Jesus. So, yes, today we pause to consider Jesus and ordinary people. Now we know Jesus encountered a great deal, a good variety of people as he walked in this life, and people with a variety of circumstances during his earthly privilege. A pilgrimage, I'm sorry. Three of the most, ext- the most ordinary people, I believe, that Jesus encountered on this pilgrimage were the people in this story: Mary. Martha and Lazarus and the text said Jesus loved them. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves ordinary people? Now this Mary that we spoke of, an ordinary person, not quite rich, not quite or this was the Mary who had poured the oil, right, the expensive oil on Jesus' feet. So she had a little piece of change in order to be able to provide that kind of oil. But at the same time, we also know that Mary, Martha and Lazarus lived under the tyranny of the Roman government with his excessive taxation. So certainly they weren't rich. They were ordinary people. They were not religious leaders or government officials. They were not actually disciples, yet they were followers of the teaching of Jesus. I'm just saying they were ordinary people. And I, I, bet, I bet they would fit right in. I bet they'd be right at home here at Mars Hill Bible Church this morning. Because we too are ordinary people. I, I, I could see Martha uh, uh, pouring coffee before service. I see Mary in the prayer room and Lazarus being greeting You all at the door, ordinary people like us with ordinary issues. You see, Lazarus was sick. Now, if you're like me, when you get sick, you act like this one is going to take me out. (laughs) This is it, folks. Like I never had a cold before like I never had the stomach flu before <laughs> You're laughing but I know it's true for you too Mhm Mhm But you know sickness is ordinary The only thing in fact I think more ordinary than sickness is death yeah, yeah, yes, I know death is hard and, and, and sometimes devastating, but in truth, it, it, is, it is ordinary. Mary and Martha had an ordinary situation, and they sent word to Jesus saying their brother Lazarus had, had, had an ordinary condition, and he was sick, and when Jesus received the news, Jesus already knew the prognosis. This sickness will not end in death, but that the Son of God might be glorified. One of the things that I know about Jesus in the Gospel of John in particular is that Jesus is always calling ordinary people to change their disposition from earth-focused to eternity-driven. says to a man named Nicodemus in chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says to a woman at a well, there's a, time, there's a time coming when we shall worship neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But we shall worship in spirit and in truth. He says to about this blind man, this man is not blind because he or his parents sinned. But that the glory of God might be revealed in him. Jesus is always calling ordinary people into a different world reality a reality that the apostle paul names this way he says set your minds on things above and not things below set your minds on things that are above and not below there is this deep dichotomy that exists in the earthly and in the heavenly realm where 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 where, where, where it is our natural tendency to want to Dwell on the things of this earth and to see sickness and to see frustration and to see the realities of life through the prism and through the lenses of this world and the flesh. And yet Jesus invites us into a different reality where we, Jesus says, Set your mind on things above, and it's calling Lazarus, calling the disciples to a place of above as opposed to below, to a place of spirit as opposed to flesh, to a place of kingdom-mindedness as opposed to worldly-mindedness, to a place that centers the will of God over the desire of self. And with that, Jesus remains there for another two days. Huh? Another two days. Let's get this straight now. Let me see. There have been seasons in the life of Christ that have been documented in Scripture, like the story that Ashley shared with us last week about Jairus' daughter. Jesus gets word that Jairus' daughter is ill, and he immediately takes off and goes to Jairus' house with just a little bit of a caveat or deviation in the middle that ended up being a whole teaching. But nevertheless, he makes his way there as quickly as possible. But here here is his friend whom he loved, a person he would spend time with in between the creases of the text, so ordinary that we have no record of how they lived their relationship out. We just know that he loved them and when Lazarus becomes ill. Jesus doesn't drop everything and run. And yet he loves, the text says he loves Lazarus. Do you resonate with this in any particular way? So, 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 so what your heartbreak might be. Ordinary, Or your financial crisis might be ordinary, but you still want to see and feel and have a tangible sense that Jesus is near and you feel nothing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died, Mary says to Jesus, when he finally does arrive. And I can't help but to hear a question in her voice. Why weren't you here? Ordinary people like us, like Mary, we can't help but to see things from below, from the perspective of flesh, the perspective of the world. But Jesus is not of this world and is calling those he loves to what? Set our minds on things above for there we realize that everyone must come to grips with something that I learned in church as a little girl. Folks in the church would say, He may not come when you want him. Say it if you know it, but he's always on time, amen. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Alas, Jesus loves ordinary people in ways that may not feel like love. I remember when I found out that I was going to have a son, a second child, I was so sad for him. Ooh, I felt so bad. And, 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 and Because I just couldn't imagine that it was possible for me to love another human being the way that I loved my firstborn child, his sister Giselle. Here they are in a picture together. Yeah, well, she's 20 now and he's almost 18, but they'll always be this to me. I mean, I just, I just remember days and nights I just agonized over this idea that, like, I've got to have this child and I don't know what I'm going to do with them because Giselle was everything, literally. I would call Giselle piece of tape, piece of paper, piece of gum, rubber band. She was literally everything. And then I gave birth to this other human being. And I remember that when Christopher was born, Giselle was just at the end of that potty training stage, right? So whenever she needed to go to potty, she'd come and tap me, Mommy, I got to go potty. But I would be nursing or consoling this new human that take o- taking over our home. And I would have to say to her, honey, I, I can't right now. Or you need to go ask your dad. Or you know, maybe you can go by yourself. And I remember in a quiet postpartum moment, holding this new baby and weeping and saying oh my god I just don't want my daughter to think that I don't love her anymore. And then spirit spoke to me in the way that spirit speaks and said love is teaching her that the world does not revolve around her and that sometimes she will have to wait. Just saying this to say sometimes Love doesn't look like, sound like, or feel like what we think love should feel like. Jesus waited two days. As an act of love, first of all, for the Father. We know in John's gospel, this repetitive notion that Jesus can only do what he's seen the Father do. That I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus' number one commitment is to the will of the Father. And Jesus is on the Father's time. Out of love for the Father, Jesus is waiting as the Father is cooking up a plan more extraordinary than sickness or death. Jesus waited two days as an act of love for Mary, for Martha, for Lazarus, whose faith would soon elevate from ordinary to extraordinary in a matter of moments. Because he loved. But it didn't feel like, it didn't look like, it didn't sound like they thought love should sound. It just didn't seem like love. And in those two days, Lazarus subsequently died. And Jesus, miles away from the bedside of Lazarus, when this happened, he still knew. He knew that Lazarus had fallen asleep and the disciples didn't understand. They thought, well, if he's sleeping, he's resting and that means he's going to be okay. And Jesus said, Lazarus has died. His friend had done the most ordinary thing a person can do. He died. And I imagine as this man, Lazarus, breathing, as his breath starts to leave him, Mary and Martha begin to peek down the dusty trail to see if Jesus has come yet. Do you see him? What about now when Lazarus takes his last breath? Mary takes on the cloak of grief that she stands before Jesus with when he arrives. If you had been here. I hear her say with a trembling voice of sadness, if you, if you had been here and Jesus matches her sadness with another ordinary thing, Jesus wept because he loved. And Jesus weeps. In ordinary places with ordinary people, when ordinary circumstances take place, he weeps with them and he weeps with us when we wait for Jesus in ordinary places and find disappointment. When we find that the end is not what we had imagined, when love doesn't seem to do what we think we should do, we should know that Jesus weeps with us because he loves us in our extraordinary, in our ordinary places. Jesus knows Lazarus is dead and he knows that this death will not end this story. And he also knows that Lazarus will someday, maybe in a week, maybe in a month, perhaps in years, but Lazarus will have to return to that cold slab and the reservation that he has without cancellation to meet death again. And yet in this moment when grief is miles high and disappointment fills the atmosphere, Jesus enters the pain of two ordinary sisters and a community and weeps with them, with us at Mars Hill, we ordinary people. That's who we are. We're not superstars, although sometimes we think we are. Not chasing big names or big reputations, No, not dripping in money, but not begging for crumbs. We're ordinary people who live in ordinary flesh where Jesus calls us to set our minds on things above and to say what we see when we get there. The view is different, friends, from above. From there, we see love that doesn't materialize in ways and times that we want it to. When sickness consumes and hope dries up and tears flood our face, but it is always on time and enters fleshly grief to demonstrate what Mary and Martha sees and what Lazarus experiences. He, Jesus, is the resurrection and the life. And in this ordinary sickness and this ordinary death, Jesus is glorified as he calls death to task, the grave closed to unbind an ordinary breath to return to an ordinary body. Like the faith of Alberta and Reverend King Sr., Lazarus is sown like an ordinary seed into the fertile ground of the kingdom that is not flesh but is spirit. And so Jesus invites us, ordinary people, Jesus' people, for the sake of the world, to sow our ordinary lives like Alberta and Reverend King and Mary and Martha and Elizabeth into the soil of faith in Jesus Christ, the extraordinary one. How might we do that, you ask? Be the ones. Be the ones to call people and yourselves up into and above, out of our flesh, into spirit where the love of Jesus is on display. And when that love doesn't look like or feel like love, weep in that place. Weep for yourself. Weep for the living and the dead. Weep for the brokenness. Weep for the disappointment. Weep as Jesus wept. And weep in a way that enters the longing, that enters the pain, that enters the disappointment, knowing that the Father is cooking up something that will glorify Jesus. And finally, proclaim Jesus, the resurrection and the life, worthy of all glory in the earth and the heavens above, amen and amen. And this extraordinary Jesus invites us to an ordinary table with just ordinary elements like bread and cup. And invites us to come where by the power of the Holy Spirit we are taken above, out of this world, into a place where heaven and earth meet. And these simple elements by that Spirit are transformed into what John Calvin calls the only food. For our souls. And so as we come to this once ordinary table that is transformed into extraordinary for our souls and for Jesus' glory, I say the Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. How right and A good and joyful thing at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of his name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so send your spirit now upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless would be to us the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. And as these grains have been gathered from ordinary fields into one loaf and these grapes gathered from ordinary vines, into one cup so soon and very soon may your whole church be extraordinarily gathered together in you both now to the ends of the earth so we say come lord jesus come and so beloved i give to you that which i also receive how the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed he sat with his disciples and he ate and after they had eaten he took ordinary bread and after giving thanks he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body broken for you and in the same manner after they had supped he took the cup after giving thanks he said this is the new covenant in my blood as often as you do drink it, you do this to proclaim my death until I come again these are the gifts of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. And as we prepare to come to this table, we recite this simple phrase that has gone before us, goes behind us, and goes with us. Say it with me. Christ has died. Christ has Christ will come again. Beloved Mars Hill Church, come and receive who you are. Receive the body of Christ. For all things are now ready.